verse 17 through 26. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. Here we're going to have the first interaction between the old and new. It's about to clash. It's on right now. Pharisees of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. What I'm reading might be a little bit different on the screen. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to push through the crowd to Jesus. See, we've got an outsider trying to become an insider, trying to get close to Jesus. But they couldn't reach him. They couldn't get through. Why? Because a bunch of church folk were blocking the doors. Really? That's what was going on. So they went up on the roof, took off some tiles, and lowered the sick man down into the crowd, still on his mat, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wait a minute. We didn't lower him down here so he could get forgiven. We're lowering him, Jesus, so that he could be healed. Can you tell? This guy's got jacked up legs. My son, your sins are forgiven. Why is it so cheesy when Hollywood does that type of stuff? It's always Jesus, son, your sins are forgiven. Sorry, I can resist that one, but it just bugs me so bad. Jesus made out to be some meathead. But your son, your sins are forgiven. Who does this man think that he is? The Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to each other, this is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so He asked them, why, are you, why do you think that this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say, your sons are forgiven, or get up and walk? Well, I'll prove to you that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, take your mat, and go on home because you are healed. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped to his feet, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God saying over and over again, we have seen amazing things today. We got outsiders becoming insiders. Jesus puts into action... What He has been anointed for. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. I've been anointed to preach good news. Set captives free. Blind eyes are going to see. This was the purpose of the Holy Spirit anointing on His life. Healing, healing. Two weeks ago, Tyson Walker came up here and he shared a testimony about God healing him. This is the exact same thing that Jesus started back in the day in Luke chapter 5 and throughout the Gospels. He's going to heal people. He's going to set them free. This is what it's all about. So this thing precedes this healing in chapter 5. The calling of disciples to become fishers of men. Jesus calls His disciples. Then He proceeds to demonstrate for them 
what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to fill him, what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to fill them, and to anoint them to do this work. Again, we've got to stop asking this question, what would Jesus do? Instead of asking the question, what did Jesus do? This is what I get to do in my own life. The Holy Spirit has anointed me. He's come upon me for the same purpose. This man's condition that he was in, um, legs paralyzed, whatever, whatever it is, I'm not sure exactly what was going on with him, but oftentimes when we, when, in just trying to apply this to our life, one's outward physical condition is often a reflection of an inward spiritual condition. What, what oftentimes paralyzes us? What holds us back? Because these guys, he's got some good friends. They're going to exercise some faith. Hey, we believe Jesus can heal you. So here's what we're going to do. We can't get through this crowd. I mean, that crowd must have been thick. But we're going to to bring you down through the roof. And Jesus, seeing these guys, he knew they were coming. But they're peeling off these tiles and they're lowering him down. I love this exercise of faith. These are the kind of friends you want to have around you. But what paralyzes us oftentimes? Fear. Unbelief paralyzes us. I don't believe that God can actually use me. I know, okay, has He anointed me by the Holy Spirit? Has He really forgiven me? Has He set me free? We need those friends around us to remind us, hey... Let's break off this fear thing. Let's break off this unbelief thing. Let's get you right front and center in front of Jesus. Let's lay hands on you. Man. So here's this clash of two ways of thinking. Old way of thinking, judgment. Who do you think you are to forgive? Who do you think you are to pray to have someone set free? See, the big reveal hasn't come yet. Well, just to prove to you that I am the Son of God, I'm going to not only forgive Him, but I'm also going to heal Him. They probably wouldn't have had any issue with Him healing this man. But when it came to forgiveness, you see, that's the religious mindset. I'm going to withhold forgiveness from these people who have hurt me I'm going to reserve judgment for myself rather than letting Jesus who is willing to forgive, wanting to forgive, and to do that through us. Through us reaching. Through us touching. Through us living, loving. Through us forgiving. So obviously what happens is we become paralyzed in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness being that complete and total self-focus. Self-preservation. Unforgiveness causes us to refuse to trust. To refuse to trust God.
Living for self is the ultimate prison sentence. Self-declared prison sentence keeps us bound. Their legalistic minds of these church folk didn't want this man to be forgiven. Didn't want him to be set free. Clash of two kingdoms. Religion and God's kingdom. Law and grace. Law and love are meeting. The Pharisees were interested in pushing and enforcing this kingdom of law. They're a pressure group. N.T. Wright talks about them as a, the Pharisees as a, as a pressure group. They weren't a ruling group. They were just a pressure group. They were going to influence. They had an us and them mentality which separated and divided. We're holy, y'all are not. Forgiveness came through the law. No, no, no. you got to come through the priest. We judge. We determine who is to be set free, not you. The priest, it was all about control. It's how they held power over people. But we're different, right? Right? We're different. Please don't agree with that. Are we? Do we end up doing the very same thing that has been done to us? But we don't see it. Most of the time we just don't see it. Are we fearful that someone's going to get off the hook? See, if I reach right now and I touch and I humble myself and forgive Lisa, because it's always her, then she's going to get off the hook. I'm going to let her off. What if God doesn't deal with her like I think He should? So I'm going to hold on to this until I see it through. Make sure that they get their just deserves. We're standing on the ground in terms of, again, this is a lot of backstory to this. I'm not going to go into it, but for those of you in terms of Christ Church, we're standing on the ground of round one. We are now experiencing round two. When are we going to get this? What do we think Jesus was talking about when he's saying, I'm going to bring the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God? Later, verse 27, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. I looked for Levi and he was not there. So now he's open season, right? Just like the guys from last week. I met with Jeremiah this last week and told him how I messed with him a little bit while he wasn't here. He says to him, this is, Levi was sitting at his tax collection booth. And this is obviously the guy who we know as Matthew, 
who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. And he says to him, Come be my disciple. Jesus again is reaching out to who? The outcasts. The scum of the earth, as the church folk called them. Come be my disciple. Come follow me. Come associate with me. I want to be associated with you. I understand what they label you with, but I want to be associated with you. I want you to come into my inner circle. Jesus said to him, so Levi got up, looks around, trying to make sure nobody heard what Jesus just said. And it says that he left everything. Job security, future, whatever. He has no idea what this is about to entail. None of these guys did. Because remember, when we get to Luke 16, remember remember how we kind of laugh? Because Jesus says, you know, I didn't tell you guys this stuff before. About all the death and all that. Because you couldn't handle it before. But I'm telling you now. I know I called you and told you you were in. And you said, yeah, we're in. But you had no idea. Okay, so Matthew is clueless here. He has no idea. But look at this faith. He stands up and he says, okay, I'm going with you. And he follows him. Same thing that just happened earlier in chapter 5 with Peter and the boys. Simon at the time. They leave their fishing nets. They leave everything to follow this man. There's something about him. Soon, Levi holds a banquet at his home with Jesus as the great guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, outsiders, other guests were there. But the Pharisees and their teachers of the law, religious law, complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. They learn in the last exchange, probably shouldn't go head to head with Jesus. We're just going to talk to his boys now. Why do you guys eat and drink with such scum? You believe the audacity of these church people. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call sinners to turn from their sins, not to spend my time with those who think they're already good enough. How does the doctor Jesus heal? And this really would have appealed to Luke being a doctor himself. His ears are perking up at this point. How does the doctor heal? In this last story with the paralytic, how does he heal? How does he heal the leper? He's reaching. He's touching. He's forgiving. Luke 19.10 Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. Uh, N.T. Wright brings in that this is the first of many parties that Luke and the other guys would talk about that Jesus would throw or that would be thrown in his honor that he would be a part of. Jesus loved to party. You can tell. He loved to be around people who loved to party. He would have been at the Seahawks game hanging out with us later on as we're going to be celebrating the victory. Come on. 
We got a people of faith in here. Come on, that's good. The greater faith being employed, though, is by all those in the Bay Area rooting for San Francisco. Amen? Right? They need greater faith to believe for a win for themselves. But this is a sign of a new age. This whole thing of a party, this is going to be a a sign of this this messianic banquet that is going to come. Jesus is coming for a bride. There's going to be this wedding someday. He's the bridegroom. He's going to talk to him here about about fasting and different things and the bridegroom is coming and and all the rest. It's it's beautiful picture. This preview of this new age to come. So what was this accusation of the Pharisees toward Jesus with Matthew and these other tax collectors is that holy things were not to be brought into contact with the unholy. So what was their assumption about themselves? Accusing Jesus of hanging out with unholiness, what was the accusation? Or what was their claim? That they themselves were so holy. Oh, these Pharisees, they're so bad, huh? I used to read these stories. Man, those Pharisees. Those. And then I started to realize that Jesus wrote those stories so that I could see my own heart. Here, we're not holy. The Pharisees weren't holy. Jesus is holy and He's the only one associating Himself, inserting Himself constantly into the lives of people that the church folk refuse to reach for, to touch, and to love and forgive. Constantly Jesus is doing this. Can you imagine going to a doctor? Can you imagine going to see a doctor that refused to touch his patients? Can you imagine like an online doctor trying to assess what your problem is? They exist. See where we're at today? I'm for, you know, prophesying already here now. Jesus is saying, I can't even be a doctor. I can't do what I'm supposed to do unless I'm touching people. So when we refuse to reach and to touch, to love and to forgive, who do we reflect more? The old covenant? The old way? The old mindset? The law? Or grace? Forgiveness? Literally, we, when, when we refuse this new way that Jesus is bringing, it, I mean, we, in a sense, we might as well be, be Muslim. Allah refuses to touch His creation. He created them without touching them. This is the story. Refusing to associate with this dirty polluted creation. So what what God do we represent? 
Jesus chooses hated ones like tax collectors and lepers in order to increase our own hope of forgiveness. He's going to go on to talk about new wineskins. No one puts wine into old wineskins. The new wine would burst the old skins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be put into new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the fresh and the new. Their response was, the old is better, they say. Wow. Jesus is pouring out grace and love. He's inserting himself into the very mix, trying to demonstrate for the people that, have, that claim to follow God this new way of forgiving rather than reserving judgment of reaching rather than being repelled. And they say, you know what? I think we like the old way. What would happen if a group of people who understood the price tag associated with, I mean, even these guys in faith, Matthew and Simon and different ones, they, they, they totally stepped out in faith where the, literally the church people of Jesus' day could not recognize him. They couldn't step into the newness of what he was calling them into, of what he was saying, come and follow me. Look at my example. Look what I've done. Look what I am doing. I'm making all things new. I'm bringing about a new covenant. He continues pointing ahead of what he's going to do on the cross and he's going to He's going to set people free from their own self-interest. He's going to set people free from this paralyzing fear. He's going to set people free from, from unbelief. Self-focus. Would you stand with me? Just I like the posture of, of standing because we, we get this focus of getting ready to move forward. And put into action the word that we're seeing. Where are these new people? Where are these new people? It's us, it's his body worldwide, it's his body. It's His bride that He's preparing and he's, he's calling us, just as He did with these ones, to repent. To stop 
withholding and to begin reaching. To stop with judging and to begin forgiving. To begin touching when it's the last thing we feel like doing. And it's got to start in our own homes. It has to start with us. It's a pipe dream. If we think we're going to be effective one bit outside of these four walls, if we can't implement and walk in the truth and follow Jesus in our own marriages, in our own families, between siblings and and amongst us here as His church. Maybe you caught on to this, but you know, it's, sometimes it's a lot easier to relate with people outside of these four walls than to get along with people in the church. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't been around long enough. It's tough because covenant has collisions with it. Are we willing to reach? I want you to just take a minute. I just want you to you can close your eyes if you want to. Keep them open. Where have we refused to reach? Holy Spirit, help us see. Lord, help us in our pride. We've, we've been caught up in the right-wrong game for a long time, maybe. Where have we withheld forgiveness? Merely hearing the words of truth are not enough to produce freedom. It has to be us actually putting it into practice. Being obedient to Him. Responding to this command of love. Unconditional. Unconditional. Regardless of what the other person does, Regardless of whether or not they refuse. Freedom comes through recognizing our sin through conviction. And beginning the process of repentance. Jesus, come and open up Open up our hearts to You. Come and make all things new as You come and You wash through the forgiveness that You bring to us and that in turn, we would turn and give forgiveness away. Just like we can't love unless we first receive Your love, we receive Your forgiveness for our own hard heart toward others. For our own hard hearts toward Uh, toward uh, our spouses, toward friends, toward family members, toward other groups in our culture, 
that we've labeled, that we've stereotyped, that we've held at a distance, we've ostracized, we've outcasted. We believed in our own pride that we were holy and they're unholy. And thus we've refused to reach, touch, love, and forgive. Redeem our minds, Lord Jesus. Set us free. We're playing games. We're playing church games if we can't obey You in these areas. Bring the conviction of sin, the beautiful, redemptive conviction of sin that brings freedom. May we as the church not be a hindrance to other people coming in, becoming a part of your family. May we not be a roadblock Lord, bring about this new wineskin here with us. Amen. Amen.